Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Song Facts Podcast. I am your host, Corey O'Flanagan, and this podcast is proudly a part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Go check it out for all your music podcast needs. On the show today, I am so absolutely delighted to bring the music of Elizabeth Zeman and her band, Elizabeth in the Catapult. This phenomenal artist just oozes creativity, and I truly enjoyed our conversation. Her new album, Sincerely E, is a reflection of the times of the COVID-19 pandemic. After the first six months of lockdown last year, she was in a state of writer's block, and then all of a sudden the song started pouring out of her, and they are so good. The show opens a little bit differently, but with a song that I think is one of the best I have heard in a long time, and I am just a sucker for vocal harmonies. And then we sprinkle in a couple of more songs that she recorded for us throughout the show. So please enjoy Elizabeth Zaman and her tune, Shalala. Me and my Tokyo, we go out walking, walking the block. Sundown till sun up, a dog and his mama collecting cans. Out on the freeway, girl and her best friend, we don't make a killing. But it's still a living to me, Shalala, 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 to me, Shalala. Sundown till sunup. It's only a burden when we think too much about his cup versus our cup, their luck versus our luck. Don't make a killing, but it's still a living to me. Walking, walking the block, 
Sundown till sunup. Greetings, Manhattan. You smell like the weekend. We'll get our bars dirty, then cash all our chips in. And out on the boardwalk, the kids call you skinny. You just ignore them, you're the king of the city. Oh, we don't need anyone to think we're pretty. Cause I got all I need when I got you. My sweet little doggy, sweet little doggy, sweet little doggy, I do. Okay, Elizabeth Zeman of Elizabeth and the Catapult, which I love this name. We're going to get into that. Wow. What a song. Shalala. You got to give me the story behind this. And we were kind of talking about this already, but let's talk about these the, these vocal bass runs. Yes. So that beautiful doo-wop bass line is my friend Adam Minkoff, who... Um, I was explaining before we started the show is the upright bass player for a lot of this album. And he was my main collaborator because I, this was the first album that I produced myself and I played almost all the instruments and he just played a lot of upright bass. And, and then I just, one day I just said, you know what this album really needs? It needs some like sixties, like baseline, I want, or, or even more like a 70s Harry Nilsson backdrop. Yeah. I want this to be an homage to Me and My Arrow by Harry Nilsson. Can you <laughs> sing this baseline? And I was expecting it to be pretty good. He came back with the most beautiful baseline I've, I've ever heard. He's, he's just a master singer as well. And then his girlfriend, Gabby S., did the the girl group sha la 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 oh really um yeah oh and i had that as all you doing all the different oh, oh my god oh, i mean i'm so lucky when i when i got some other singers on this record because i think there's just too much of me all over the place so it felt yeah it sounded okay. great and um it really added this hope like life affirming hope to the song because it, i i felt like we needed it um not just for the song, but for the album as a whole, because the album mostly deals with uh, the different forms that loneliness takes and the breakdown of communication mm -hmm. during the pandemic. And then I had this kind of offshoot on a couple songs about um, characters from my childhood. And this was a, a, a true story of a, a can collector who used to sing um, and, and wander the streets of Manetta Lane when I was a kid and she would walk around with her dog and she always sang, day oh day oh, daylight come and we wanna go oh, home. Wow. And she had this like cute 
little bulldog with her. And every time I would say hello, she would, she would, she was so kind to me. And there was something so, um, I wanted to really show the melancholy and the hardship of life, but also against the backdrop of someone just owning where they are and saying, screw it. I love my dog and we are parading around this city and, and, and really like a celebration of New York as well. I love that. And it, you know what? It's so true because I imagine that it's really hard to write a full album of really peppy, uppity, happy songs <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the midst of a pandemic. So right. kudos to you because that's not like the reflection. That's not what people are feeling right now. And, you know, this is yeah. a reflection of the times, but to put that in, every one of us hasn't, I mean, maybe some people have, but I haven't completely lost hope that things are going to have some sort of new normal at some point. And I put this on and I just, I just started absolutely smiling my face off. And I was just like, that's good. I had it on the cans on the headphones. Yeah. And then my girlfriend like got home with some groceries and I like ripped the cord out and I was like, listen to this. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, that's so nice. It's not a single on my record. It hasn't been released as a single. And it's really kind of an afterthought for me. I just sent it to you um, just because I hadn't been using it for any of my other interviews. And I thought, well, I, I, I should share this song as well. And so it, this, this kind of afterthought song is one of your favorites. And that totally made my day. Yeah. Um, but I think that it sits on this, there's kind of this rub of melancholy and hope that all of the songs in the album have because we're kind of we're always fighting for more hope right now yep and constantly just boomerang boom, boomeranging between the two feelings and so i felt like sometimes there's a sweet spot at that rub and i i feel like i got that sweet spot on this yeah one. So, okay, bring me into a little bit more of the details here. Do you have the song, do you write the majority of your songs on piano? Or is it very, are you uh, jumping all over? It's either, I actually write the majority of my songs. I first write them um, as poems. Okay. Um, and then they're always lyrics first. And then I take a walk, speaking of walking around the city. I usually do this on a walk or it used to be on a train. When the MTA was safer. Um, and I would, I'll just start singing the lyrics. So it's then, then it's the melody. And then it can really be, once I have the basic melody and lyrics to the song, the harmonies and the instruments can be on anything and okay. it'll vary. Sometimes it's guitar. Sometimes it's, sometimes I just um, sing a, a bunch of backgrounds, kind of like it feels like an acapella number, this one. Um, sometimes I'll just sing a bunch of background parts and then record that and then replace them with instruments. And that's kind of how I produced this whole record. That's so cool. That's so, such a unique so, yeah. way to do it. So what did you send your bass player so that he could come up with this? Because I don't, did you, did he have a chord structure or did he just, did you give him an, a rough outline and then he came up with this and then you had to work back into it? Yeah, it was either, it was. It was something, this is the most, one of the most minimal produced songs on the record. So yeah. it must've been either just one, literally like one note of a bass line on piano and me singing or, or guitar. I don't I remember. remember. 
Oh my God. I'm so happy that that I'm so happy that you just decided to send it to me. I feel so special now. <laughs> you are. Thank you. I mean, I was going to say you are special, but you're special regardless. You can say that. <laughs> I'm not immune to flattery. Um, and so I was, I was doing a little bit of stalking and you're obviously an extremely talented person. You've already kind of mentioned that you played most of the, um, the instruments on this album. And clearly you've, You've done that before. You've got a great video on your Instagram of a song that I've become a big fan of just in the last couple of days, and it's Pop the Placebo. I think just the name itself is is just <laughs> incredible. Um, but are you are you well versed in all of these instruments? I mean, where does it end for you? Um, first of all, I'd like to just say before I discuss this <laughs> that this is the first interview where I'm not talking about the narrative of the album so much. And I'm just talking about instruments and production and kudos to you. Cause that's great. I, I want to talk details. about music. I'm a, music I'm a musician. I'd love talking about music. Um, so, so uh, this one is, has a little bit more of a cinematic flair and I do have, you know, I've collaborated with this um, composer, Paul Brill on about 30 documentary films over the last, six or seven years. So I have a side of me that's always thinking of string arrangements and um, just how something can flush out in a maybe more romanticized way. And this song, I initially did very live and immediate, like a lot of the, especially like Shalala. Yeah. And then I just realized that the story of the song felt like every verse is about a different character and it and it it really felt to me like it like a little movie in a song um like little acts of a play and yeah. I just thought I need to I need to get my friend Katie to play some strings on this I need to get Adam to play some bass my friend Joanna to sing some background vocals and everyone just emailed stuff to me I sent them arrangements and they emailed everything and at the end of the day it really it's one of the only ones that doesn't sound like my house on this record. I think that Shalala still sounds like my, it was made in my house. There's really? a side of it that just feels like, a, it feels like my living room. It feels live and raw and kind of minimal. And then Poplar Placebo is just like, it's a bit over the top, no? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's got a lot to it. There's layers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So do you manifest these layers? Are you hearing these things and then sending them off and being like, make this, make this happen for me? Yeah, I, I mean, I wrote some arrangements and and I, I had my very talented friends send stuff back and I, I just thought, oh gosh, I could do a whole album this way. I've done this, this album for the most part was done just alone, um, but the songs that I collaborated and had friends send in parts was just so fun and it is so easy. It's, it's kind of a miracle. I mean, the song Pop the Placebo is about a lot of it is about being so overwhelmed by the wellness industry and all the ads that we're bombarded with on Instagram and, and Facebook and, and feeling like we're never good enough. And yet the silver lining of, of being online is that I had all my friends send me all these parts in like a couple hours. I mean, that's just a, that. It's insane without yeah. even being in the same room, Yeah, you know? That's, That's cool. It's almost like the idea of, because I've talked to a, a bunch of people, obviously, throughout this pandemic, and that's even some of these people who are like, been writing music for like 50 plus years are yeah. learning to do this thing through 
Zoom. And like, I can't imagine sitting down and being like, I've got a guitar. Here's my drummer. Here's a bass player hammering out a song on Zoom. I can't even imagine the the download speeds that people would have to have to make that happen. I struggle just to make interviews happen with <laughs> my download speeds here. But I, I think that that's incredible. But just I, I, I wonder if this is going to carry over. There's something to me about making music and being in that room with people because I've, I've, I've been lucky enough to do it. I haven't done it in, a, in a, quite a while, but I've been lucky enough to do it in my life and, and experience that. Did you feel like you felt some of the same vibes when you were getting those people sending stuff back and then you plug it into the song and you're like, ooh, that gave it, that gave me a little shiver. I, I felt like, well, I just felt so lucky that I could still collaborate with people mm-hmm. in this way. Um, and of course, there's nothing like being in the same room. There's nothing like being on a stage, man. Like yeah. these live streams are are incredible and I'm so grateful for them. Another silver lining this year. Yeah. But I think that in general, um, it's, you know, it, it, it's different on email, obviously. But I just felt lucky that I could still have those people, still feature those people on my album, even if I wasn't right next to them. Okay, so you attended Berkeley College of Music, which I've been lucky enough to talk to a ton of people to have gone there. Like almost half the people that I'm interviewing seem to have no gone way. to that. It's, it's crazy. Really? Oh my God, you have no idea. It's just like everybody's gone to this place. I'm like, this is wow. amazing. So, I had no idea. But I read that while you were there, one of the first interests that you had was, was film scoring. Is that true? Yeah, I went to school for film scoring. And then instead of going through that major in, in a normal way the, and getting, getting my degree in that, although I ended up doing it, um, Patty Austin, who is a really talented jazz singer, was coming through the school looking for cheap background vocalists for this wonderful Ella Fitzgerald tribute. And my friend Esperanza Spaulding, who's a bass player, um, who I was, she was in my first band, lucky enough. She was, she was touring with Patty and she said, you can get credit for touring. Do you want to come with me? I know that you're like writing and composing at your piano, but do you want to just sing in this thing? And so I ended up going on tour with Patty and getting credit for that. And the best school ever, best school ever, kind of. I mean, the truth is, <laughs> It would have been cool to to really get the education that I went there for. And uh, I mean, it would have been cool to learn some more engineering skills, I think, early on instead of waiting until now to do it all myself. But um, but I but I, you know, I went into that field anyway, regardless. So it seemed to have done its magic. I think people that go to Berkeley really always thank the school for the community and the people that they met. And I met the, um, the boys that are now in Lucius, but my band was uh, Danny and Pete that I met at Berkeley mm-hmm. uh, for about seven years um, for my first couple albums. So that was from Berkeley. Oh my God. Okay. So yeah. man, I kept seeing this connection with Lucius. Yeah. And I was, I didn't know Lucius and I, I'm still hoping that I'm connecting these the right dots here unless there's two different bands by this name but I was taken like two or three years ago by some I was living in Denver and I had some friends bring me to a show in Boulder and it was 
Lucius. And it was like, yeah, I was just sitting there with my jaw on the floor watching these They're harmonies. Yes. Is, this, is this who is it? It's two, it's two female singers That's also who it is. went okay. to Berkeley. Oh my God. Jess, Jess and Holly also went to Berkeley. I had a crazy class because St. Vincent, I mean, now this is just name dropping people that you went to college with. I don't know where we're going with this. It seems kind of lame to me, but, but I just, but just to say like my first show was with Annie Clark to St. Vincent. And I have the little, I don't know. I was one, I thought I was like right here, but I have like these little (laughs) flyers for it. That's so cute of like baby Annie and baby me. Um, And I was playing with Esperanza who, you know, ended up having just such an amazing jazz career um at the time she wasn't even singing when she was in my band and she has one of one of the greatest voices i've ever heard um and you know there's all sorts of people that pass through there but i just think that i had this like very you know distilled group of brilliant people you know basically geniuses in my class and um and yeah it was it was a very inspiring time and and i definitely am i'm grateful to the school for that connection yeah no, I mean, obviously, like, it's it seems to be something that a lot of the people that go there find some sort of traction within the industry because, I don't know, everybody that I'm talking to really looks back fondly at it. I haven't found anybody that's like, I could have taken it or leaving. I didn't really need it. It helped me here. It helped me there. But most people are like, yeah. no, it was valuable, even if it wasn't necessarily the classes and like the school experience, just the people that you were around. Right. And, right. Um, and I think feeding off of that kind of creativity, uh, like at that age too, when you're just like ripe and just ready to create. And I, yes. I, I can't even I imagine. I went there initially, honestly, because I got a scholarship there. And so I, <laughs> so that was because I wasn't sure if I was going to go to liberal arts or what I was going to do. And I had just started writing tunes and I was like, you know, this is good. I, I, I signed up for this songwriting competition and I, I did okay. And then I ended up, you know, trying it out. And it really, I'm really grateful for that because it, it pushed me in the right direction. Good. Well, we're I haven't talked about end, college but... so much. I haven't talked about college Berkeley so much since I went there. Good. That's <laughs> what we're here to. I'm trying to dig in deep. Stay tuned for more Song Facts podcast right after this. Ever wonder how my voice is bouncing off your eardrums so clean and crispy? No? Well, let me tell you anyway. The Lyra Microphone by AKG brings their legendary acoustic engineering to a versatile USB mic that delivers the highest quality audio in its class. USB connection. This is good for me because of the simplicity and the ability to just plug and play without an interface. You may have gathered from various episodes that I am doing this show on the road, so being that I record most interviews in a different location than the last, it is good for me to know that I have a high-quality, easy-to-transport and use USB mic like the Lyra to make sure my sound is clean. Whether you're like me and recording a podcast, a musician recording vocals or an instrument, or if you need to do a voiceover for a YouTube channel, Lyra's innovative AKG Adaptive Capsule Array adapts to your performance to record pristine audio. It has four versatile capture modes. What's a capture mode, you ask? That is how the mic picks up your voice. Just trust me, with these four options, it's really all you're going to need. With AKG Lyra, you'll be up and running in no time, no matter your experience level. There's no assembly, no need for separate audio interface, no fiddling with software settings. It just works right out of the box. 
and Lyra is something that is compatible with Windows, Mac, iOS, and Android devices, and all major recording softwares. So, if you're looking for a mic that offers ease of use along with a high-quality sound, check out the AKG Lyra and look no further. But now, now, let's circle back to the new album. <laughs> okay. And let's talk about Together Alone, because you had said that I need to bring this up and I'm, I, I want to do it because it's like you said, I don't know what your word was exactly, but it's like the cornerstone. It's like the yeah. centerpiece of this album. So yeah. why? Why is that, Elizabeth? Um, right. I, I, it's cornerstone, North Star. It's just this, this song that really brings the whole album for me into focus. And it's, a, it's I mean, I started writing this album after about six months of writer's block. Um, How does this relate to like last March when we, when we all got locked down? How, where are we in the time frame of that six months? It started in March. I couldn't oh, okay. write a song starting in March because me along with the rest of the world, were, we were in shock. And oh, wow. I, okay. I really couldn't make it. I wasn't really making much music. And then there was this dip in the numbers in the summer um in july and august and there was this i just had this like glimmer of hope and i was able to like take a step back from everything and i started recording the the first i remember the weekend um the beginning of august i i finished and recorded together alone birds and the bees and a couple other ballads on the album and um it was just this surge of inspiration um and it was all about just the different all the songs were about the different ways that we cope with this break this huge breakdown in communication and the different forms that loneliness takes mm -hmm. so um in some songs you know you can be lonely within a relationship you can be lonely surrounded by people on tour and you can be lonely being on your phone or being online too much and it's yeah. it's a, a song about our addiction to our to our phones but also kind of like the good the bad the ugly the entertaining the foolish all the stuff that comes along with that and um i made this video which i'm so proud of i don't think i've ever been so proud of a video um wait. that really i think the song makes so much more sense along with this visual it's it was shot within my phone and it's it's kind of like a day in the life of my phone and oh, uh, i really like that I, I can't wait to share it with you yeah text it without feeling the song without me though without a bone we're talking without speaking together alone together my brain is connected to my hand is connected to my phone one more photo of a wedding our picture perfect Sleeping. Oh, my brain is connected to 
Um, okay, so I want to ask you now, and I want to let's go back a little bit because I want to ask about a really great song, Underwater. And I want to, again, I want to get specific because I want to talk about a lyric in the chorus that says, I'm not afraid of sleeping like I used to be. And this hit home for me. And I'll tell you guys, the audience and you why. But it got me wondering if you do or did ever have trouble sleeping. So this album is, this is for my last album, right? Okay. Um, Absolutely. Along with every other artist I've ever met. And um, 
it's actually interesting that Together Alone was based on a dream I had where I had phones for hands. So I have these very weird, vivid dreams. And I mean, I'm watching Bosch now. So that detective show is giving me the weirdest dreams I've ever had in my life. But um, really it was more about, it was less about the, the fear of sleep. And it was more about the fear of what my dreams would be. Um, you think that's what I, kept you awake? I think that that's, well, I'm not afraid of sleeping. Like I used to be like, I would be like, oh God, what kind of crazy dreams am I going to have tonight? When I started, or, or I think like you can wake up in a sweat from a really weird dream. Yeah. But when I started writing down dreams, first of all, it gave me more fodder for my songs because otherwise I wouldn't remember half of them. But I also, <laughs> I think that it gave me, a, it just, you know, it gave me some peace and kind of quelled my fears a little bit through that process of writing them down every morning. And so I still try to do that, especially now because dreams are getting weird this year, right? Oh my God, are they getting weird? So underwater, I'm listening to this and I hear that lyric and it immediately takes me back to when I was like, I think like 10 or 11. And I, I ended up having to go to a counselor and, and some therapy for this, but I would lay in bed and I would be convinced that I was the only person in the world that was awake oh, and that yeah. there was like something specifically wrong with me. And not only was it like, and it makes me almost think about together alone as well, because I was too young to like consider time zones and like, yeah, the people on the opposite side of the world or in the mm -hmm. middle of their day. And I just, it just struck with me. And I was like walking down, like along this like beachfront um, place in this town in Spain. And I just like stopped and I hadn't thought about that in so long. And that lyric just hit me with that. Mm. And I was just like, it, I just, all these memories came rushing back, things I hadn't thought about in probably like 20 years. And I, wow. I was just really, I love when a song can do that to me. So I wanted to thank you for that because it was really an impactful part of my life. Cause it was like six months where I'd lay awake at night, oh. just staring at the ceiling, like so sad because and alone because I was like, I am the only person in the world that can't sleep uh, right now. And then that would snowball and it would get worse and worse. Yeah. And eventually I had to talk to my parents about it. I know adults who have that. I mean, I know so many people that have that this year. Yeah. I think, and, and also the thing that, that strikes me about what you're saying is thinking is there's, you know, there's so many forms of depression and fear, but the worst part of it is that when you're going through it, when it's really bad, you really think no one else will understand. 100%. And no one else experienced it. And, it, and it's actually, in a weird way, it's like, not as a child, but like as an adult, it's almost like when I've been really depressed in my life, sometimes I think this is so egomaniacal because I can't think about, uh, I can't like include the rest of the people that are feeling it if it's really yeah. bad. I feel like I'm just on my lonely island and that's it. And that's it's so wrong, but it's so hard to get get through to people that that's, that's not necessarily the case because it's so painful. But, I really like that. I mean, that's such yeah. a true thing. And if I've been fortunate as an adult to, as I'm going through those things, I've just, I've just become a, such an, I've, I've just always become such an open person. Like, I'm just like anybody that will listen to me. It's probably why I podcast just because I'm yeah. like, I can just like, just go and just talk about it. And, uh, and I'm just looking for somebody to listen and then relate to it. And I, 
I go through my ups and downs like anybody else, but when I'm on those low swings, I need like some time, but I know eventually like, all right, I'm going to go seeking somebody to like help me with this right now. And I, you know, a lot of the stuff that I've been listening to of yours, you're not afraid to go inward. And I really like that about you as a lyricist and just your music has a lot of, you can't really put you in a genre, which is something that I love, but you've got a lot of feeling and emotion within your songs, your whole catalog. And I, I really, really like that. And I'm curious, what do you attribute that to? Did you come from a family that just was very open and free or did you learn this or is this just your way of expressing? Um, such an interesting question. I think that for me, the things that move me and are interesting and that are that are worth writing about are, are, are things that I've uh, connected to very deeply, whether it's someone else's story, whether it's a fictional story, or whether it's, you know, these universal emotions that we have around, you know, fear. And I think that this this album wasn't supposed to be a concept record. It was it's kind of unconsciously happened that way because I was writing and recording in and of a time. But it really deals with the side to me that's just most unique about everything that's happening is the mental health aspects. Like how do we reevaluate our relationships? Reevaluate the way that we even think about ourselves and our own identities. Like, how are we going to change after this? What are the things that are going to be better that maybe we've grown from this time? And what are these like kind of hidden, this hidden baggage that maybe we're going to carry with us forward that we don't even know exists yet? I know that's kind of scary. As I'm saying it, it sounds kind of scary to me, but no, but it's but something it's, that's very real. It's it's real, and I and I. I think that that was the stuff that I wanted to touch on um, because we're, whether it's not, whether it's on the surface or not for people, whether they're aware of it, we're all just carrying so much right now. Yeah. What do you love about this album? I love, um, I think that all the things I was talking about, I do appreciate that it's that every song this time is really a specific story and it has a specific point. I think I'm okay. more focused, focused than usual. But I also love that it's like a little bit more raw and has this like unapologetic, flawed quality. You know, I, I like kept the first song on the record, Birds and the Bees, like I kept all the squeakiness and the, and the pedal in the beginning of the song and like kind of readjusting my seat. And, and the last song on the record, I start twice actually. Um, and I kept the the false starts in, and and I just you know I, I wanted there to be a rawness, a kind of a dirtiness to it, a roughness, and I think that that comes across in a lot of these recordings. I wanted to ask you this when you were talking about it, but our conversation's been so fluid, I didn't want to interrupt it. But when you were in your what, what six months of of writer's block and just the the creativity just wasn't producing the way that you're probably used to where did you have thoughts of like am i tapped out like did you go there mm. i think that if i had them 
I was in too much denial to look at them at all. I think I was just in survival mode. So I would think, you know, it takes more energy to do things when we're in shock. So if I like got out on a walk and, you know, spent some time trying to figure out money for the day and uh, cooked a meal and a couple other things, I would be like really proud of myself. You know, like, I think I rearranged my closet a million times. I think there's some <laughs> OCD there, you know? Um, but I think that, I think that I was just kind of had my blinders on and it was like, just look forward, just look forward. Even if you can't, even if you're not relaxed enough to be creative right now, just keep looking forward. Okay. Cause that to me is something that would be I, I can't put myself in those shoes of I've created, I've created, I've created. That's my job. That's what I'm supposed to do. And then all of a sudden it's just not there, but also like it completely was um, aligned with major dramatic world global <laughs> event. And so I could see where yeah. you'd be like, I'm happy that you took the route of like, I'm going to give myself a pass on this one and just wait for it to come back. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like right now, whenever I'm not writing, it feels, I feel crazy, which is, you know, it sounds like an overstatement, but it's true. But, but during this time, um, during this time right now, uh, when the, you know, when things are still kind of in chaos, even as there's hope around the corner, um, I think that just the amount that I'm putting into the music business side of releasing a record putting posts, social media, doing interviews, uh, just getting, you know, getting videos together. I think that I'm, I'm kind of tapped out creatively as well. I can see I'm that. just using a different, I'm using a different side of, of what I do, a different side of my creative brain. Um, it's maybe a little more right brain, but I'm expecting, I don't want to say anything, but knock on wood if there's one thing that i'm superstitious about it's about its creativity i'm expecting the muse the music gods to visit me again sit on my shoulder sometime soon and uh and you know it comes in waves so it'll come i don't doubt it i believe that you can manifest it so just saying it is helping it i'm sure yeah. of it okay so we're gonna close the song we're gonna close the um the show with the song birds and the bees which you've mentioned a couple times here and as I was listening to this, I just thought it was so relatable. I just think that anybody who hears it is going to be like, they could listen to it 20 years from now. If they went through this, they're going to be like, oh, that just reminds me of 2020. And what does this song mean to you? This song is really, the, the reason why it's the intro of the album is because it was just this convergence of all these conversations that I'd had with my family, friends, a neighbor, someone, just a stranger in the deli, uh, about how we were coping with this new reality. And it kind of reads as a diary entry, I think. Mm -hmm. um, it does. But it, it just felt like, like I was just, like just very descriptive, like this is what's going on. And then kind of also like a PSA, like the, the uh, chorus is like, stay home, wear your mask, <laughs> you know? So <laughs> I got it all in there. Um, yeah, but that's how it felt for me. Are you just 
chomping to go out and play these songs for people? Well, I am trying to learn every single song uh, to perform this Friday, the, the day that the album drops on my Facebook page. Um, my Elizabeth and the Catapult Facebook page doing a Facebook live trying to do the entire record from start to finish so that's the first that's my first chomp but gosh I really do hope that this world this world opens up again sometime soon so I can play these songs live there's nothing like it yeah I really hope so too for you and for us and I just I want to thank you so much for for spending some time with me I know you've got a lot going on and uh we're gonna do our little part to try and put this in as many people's ears as we can so thank you so much thank you this was so lovely nice to meet you thank you so much to Elizabeth for making those songs for us and just making songs in general such an unbelievable talent. I could just sit and watch someone like that play piano all day. As always, for the stories behind the songs, go to songfacts.com and please enjoy Birds and the Bees by Elizabeth and the Catapult.
tell your mother that you love her And tell your boyfriend you wish him well Cause the birds and the bees they will come to agree That no one's gonna save them now And tell your best friend not to visit There's no use in going out Cause the birds and the bees they will come to agree That no one's gonna save them No one's gonna save them Save us now. Oh, there's a bird and the bees, they will come to agree. And the birds and the bees, they've all come to agree. The Lord's gonna save them. No one's gonna save them. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.